Chapter Ten of In New England Fields and Woods by Roland E. Robinson. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Eva Davis. The Garter Snake. When the returned crows have become such familiar objects in the forlorn, unclad landscape of early spring that they have worn out their first welcome, and the earliest songbirds have come to stay in spite of inhospitable weather that seems for days to set the calendar back a month, the woods invite you more than the fields. There nature is least under man's restraint, and gives the first signs of her reawakening. In windless nooks the sun shines warmest, between the meshes of the slowly drifting net of shadows. There are patches of moss on grey rocks and tree trunks, fairy islands of it, that will not be greener when they are wet with summer showers, arise among the brown expanse of dead leaves. The gray mist of branches and undergrowth is enlivened with a tinge of purple. Here and there, the tawny mat beneath is uplifted by the struggling plant life below it, or pierced through by an underthrust of sprouting seed. There is a promise of bloom in blushing arbutus buds, a promise even now fulfilled by the first squirrel cups just out of their furry bracts and already calling the bees abroad. Flies are buzzing to and fro in busy idleness, and a cricket stirs the leaves with a sudden spasm of movement. The first of the seventeen butterflies that shall give boys the freedom of bare feet goes wavering past like a drifting blossom. A cradle knoll invites you to a seat on the soft, warm cushion of dead leaves and living moss and purple sprigs of wintergreen with their blobs of scarlet berries, which have grown redder and plumper under every snow of the winter. This smoothly rounded mound and the hollow scooped beside it, brimful now of amber, sun-warmed water, mark the ancient place of a great tree that was dead and buried and all traces by which its kind could be identified were mouldered away and obliterated before you were born the incessant crackling purr of the wood frogs is interrupted at your approach and they disappear till the wrinkled surface of the oblong pool grows smooth again and you perceive them sprawled along the bottom on the leaf paving of their own color as you cast a casual glance on your prospective seat carelessly noting the mingling of many hues the brightness of the berries seems most conspicuous till a moving curved and recurved gleam of gold on black and a flickering flash of red catch your eye and startle you with an involuntary revulsion with charmed eyes held by this new object, you grope blindly for a stick or stone. But if you find either, forbear to strike. Do not blot out one token of spring's awakening, nor destroy one life that rejoices in it, even though it be so humble a life as that of a poor garter snake. He is so harmless to man that, were it not for the old, unreasoning antipathy, our hands would not be raised against him. And if he were not a snake, we should call him beautiful in his stripes of black and gold, and in graceful motion, a motion that charms us in the undulation of waves, 
in their flickering reflections of sunlight on rushy margins and wooded shores in the winding of a brook through a meadow in the flutter of a pennant and the flaunting of a banner the ripple of wind-swept meadow and grain field and the sway of leafy boughs his colors are fresh and bright as ever you will see them though he has but to-day awakened from a long sleep in continual darkness he is simply enjoying the free air and warm sunshine without a thought of food for all his months of fasting perhaps he has forgotten that miserable necessity of existence when at last he remembers that he has an appetite you can scarcely imagine that he can have any pleasure in satisfying it with one huge mouthful of twice or thrice the ordinary diameter of his gullet if you chance to witness his slow and painful gorging of a frog you hear a cry of distress that might be uttered with equal cause by victim or devourer when he has fully entered upon the business of reawakened life many a young field mouse and noxious insect will go into his maw to his own and your benefit if there go also some eggs and callow young of ground-nesting birds why should you question his right you who defer slaughter out of pure selfishness that a little later you may make havoc among the broods of woodcock and grouse of all living things only man disturbs the nicely adjusted balance of nature the more civilized he becomes the more mischievous he is the better he calls himself the worse he is for uncounted centuries the bison and the indians shared a continent but in two hundred years or so the white man has destroyed the one and spoiled the other surely there is little harm in this lowly bearer of a name honored in knighthood and the motto of the noble order might be the legend written on his gilded mail evil to him who evil thinks if this sunny patch of earth is not wide enough for you to share with him leave it to him and choose another for yourself the world is wide enough for both to enjoy this season of its promise End of chapter 10 The Garter Snake